Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is your camera. So when you if, when you want to look at the camera, you're going to be looking over there. And when I want to look at the camera, I'm going to be looking over here. But we're engaging so you can look at me. Make sure the mic is see your mouth so that we can hear what you're saying. I love the outfit. Thank Wait, you. is that Gucci and Adidas? Yes, it is. What in the bougie heaven is going on right now, Jeff? Collaboration. Jeffrey, how rich are you? I'm not rich. I'm wealthy in mind, spirit, and dollars. You know what? Only rich people. <laughs> Only somebody with good credit and a savings account could talk like that. Don't do the head tilt. I'm just saying. Jeffrey, um, I'm happy that you were pleasant enough to push through before we start the show. I have not done a toast or drank in, in on these episodes in like four months. Something told me this is going to be the episode we need to bring the alcohol back. Well, we here. My spirit, people who are going to watch the show are not going to know how many technical difficulties we've been through <laughs> in the past 30 minutes. I'm happy the show is happening. Um, let's do a quick toast to being supple in the face of adversity. Come on, supple in mm-hmm. the face of adversity. Fierce in the face of adversity, mm-hmm. too. And Ooh. strategic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, we love a Bellini. Yes, Jeffrey's having alcohol beverage. I'm having a non-alcoholic sparkling watermelon juice because I'm on a health kick and I feel like everything, child. When I, By the way, when I came to your house, mm-hmm. so the Pilates class that we took on Monday, mm-hmm. I worked out on Tuesday. Everything was fine. But then Tuesday night at your house, that's when the soreness hit. I didn't realize that sometimes soreness takes about 36 to 48 hours. Oh, yeah, the set in. It hit me on your couch. Oh, like I, I saw was, when I, you were laying down. I was staying on your couch, and suddenly I was like, my inner thighs, my crotch, my legs, my booty, and my hips all suddenly hurt. Not my crotch. Because <laughs> when you do Pilates, they split you open like a hoe from the 90s. A hoe from the 90s. <laughs> you were watching Real Housewives. Don't stop. Get, get it, it. Get, get it. it. Don't no, stop. No, when you watch um, Housewives, Real Housewives of Atlanta... I think Phaedra one time said, you know Kenya Moore's just an old hoe from the 90s. Ooh, <laughs> it's the you know for me. It's like, you know. You know she's an old hoe from the 90s. So for some reason that always stuck with me. Like at your house on Tuesday, I felt like an old hoe from the 90s because everything started to burn. Well, you know, my house is the house of old hoes. Oh, wait a minute. That took a turn that I was not expecting. <laughs> well, let's pivot real quick. Uh, that beautiful voice that you're hearing is Jeffrey Wallace. Oh, are we taping? <laughs> We've been taping the oh, show. Oh, I did not know that. But yeah, we just do a call open. We just start the show. But that was a joke. I mean, of course, no it's, called, it's, it's called Human Eyes. Okay. And we're also reason. pro hoes. So if there are any old hoes, we're not judging you. We don't kink shame on the show. We like mature hoes, not old hoes. Look, you call yourself whatever you need to, sis or bruh. Um, this is Jeffrey Wallace, uh, the CEO of Leaders Up. Uh, he's an amazing human. He is a good friend. He is a, another tourist. We've had like 18 tourists out of like 30 episodes. I might have a type. Well, hey, we bring <laughs> I, the lux. I like a yes. I like luxury and emotional safety. Absolutely, so and that's we, what tourists bring and right. stability. And I also like a little bit of mess too. So we have a lot of Gemini's, Tauruses. I think we had a, a couple Pisces. Um, Jeffrey, this is your first time on the show. It's not going to be your last though. 
Absolutely. I love how you just realized, like, oh, snap, we really are doing the show. Right. I know it's called Humanized. I told you. It's all good. It's a conversation. And the thing I love about the show is y'all just trust me enough to know that I'm not going to tell you shit about the show until you show up. You're going to sit down. You're going to trust me. Um, This is a safe space for you to be as human as you want to be. Uh, The one thing I want to say, though, is I want to thank you on camera. I'm looking at the camera. Jeffrey Wallace makes the best gumbo in at Los Angeles. Okay? <laughs> and it's not greasy. It's You keep on coming for the greasy gumbo. Ooh, that's not flavor. That's grease. Ooh. People need to know. I went to I went to your gathering they invited me to on Sunday. And um, it was amazing. And that gumbo was so good. I ate the rest of it yesterday. Mm. I'm very full still. I'm sure it was better uh, yesterday. Than oh, it was, was so Sunday. good. I was in bed with a bowl of gumbo watching a weird movie on Netflix. Like, dude, this gumbo is amazing. Sometimes you got to let the flavor sit. Oh, it was so good. Are you going to ever share the recipe or? I have a story, a reel that I can repost on Instagram that takes took folks through the steps. Uh, About how to make the gumbo. How to make the gumbo, exactly. What was shocking to me is the sausage was really good, but there was no pork or beef in it. It was chicken sausage. Chicken sausage, yeah. That is amazing. I usually can't stand chicken sausage or chicken tacos. Something about you, you make chicken succulent. I just make everything succulent. You know what? It's just how I roll. And a little bit of butter, you'll be good. No, I usually I used to hate chicken tacos. Whenever you because they're dry. Don't yeah. like, I use chicken thighs instead of chicken breast. What are you giving tacos. away your secrets? It's I thighs. mean, it's not a secret. I Wait mean, a minute, you say um, thighs, legs, them thighs and be hitting hips and body. body. That's that's Candy Burst's song. Yeah. It went viral. Um, it's a it's a horrible song, but it's so bad it's good. Well, you know, I just follow the chickens in the hoochie daddy shorts and get those thighs to put into the taco. Thank you for bringing this up because I am a big fan of hoochie daddy short summer. I want grown men. I'm going to look at the camera. Sexy grown men. Every <laughs> word in that sentence matters. Sexy grown men. I need you to have your thighs out, okay? Forget gray sweatpants season. It is hoochie daddy short season. I went to your birthday party and it was a short set theme. And I was like, I'm mildly aroused. <laughs> like, I, didn't I mean, you. yeah, there was a lot of four inch inseams on the shorts at the birthday party. I was like, why am I aroused at Jeffrey's birthday party? So yeah, we, did you know it was Hoochie Daddy short season? And that was was that like a, a you knowing fashion? Or was that just a coincidence that you had a short set birthday party during Hoochie Daddy season? No, it was reverse. Hoochie Daddy season realized that I Jeffrey, like short set. No, no, that's how it works. No, no, works. <laughs> We're trendsetters, not trend chasers. So at the end of the day. The reality is I've been in two pieces. I just wanted to share that experience with y'all. And if you got a good two piece, the end scene going to be a little bit shorter. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit sportier. You know, I, I love thighs. athleisure. Yeah, I saw you thighs know. and titty meat. Like y'all, the, the men were showing out. I mean, it was two piece combos all day. It was a lot of two piece short sets. And a little biscuit. You know what? There was biscuits too. Okay, let, <laughs> let me not. If, if you're listening to the show, you need to watch to see what I just did with my hands. No, I don't think people realize that like men... We like to objectify y'all too. Like men look good with the, you know. Oh, women objectify men all the time. All the time. All the time. The conversation. I know you be hearing the conversations. All I, the time. We, we don't cold switch around you, Jeffrey. We trust you. So my thing is, we're talking about all this luxury. We're talking about how you cook all this gumbo. What is your love language? Because I've seen you show up loving people in so many different ways. If you had to identify, what is your primary love language? Primary love language would be quality time. Nice, mine too. And we spend a lot of quality time together. We do spend a lot of quality time together. We see you know? each other all the time. And having really deep, intimate conversations about business, about life, about how to... Feeling. Exactly, you I know? know. And it's so organic too. Absolutely. It's been a very long time since I have had a friendship that evolved this organically and this robustly. 
I was like, oh, Jeffrey can love at my level. Well, you know, it's a level of authenticity, right? It's the frequency yeah. that we orbit around initially. And then you can go deeper into understanding what somebody's purpose to do, what they're passionate about, yeah. tap into that vulnerability. Because you actually care. Because I care a lot about the people that yeah. I allow to be close. Now, everybody don't have to be close. Well, I'm going to tell you this. When uh, David Johns did his episode, I showed up with no voice because we had spent all weekend kikiing and doing foolishness with you. <laughs> that episode just dropped gallivanting and whatnot I, it was my birthday week it was shenanigans we also gave you a shout out i send you the clip or you can just watch the episode and, you know, i already watched it there the, did you see your shout out yes i did we were talking about how you fell asleep uh during uh the the taping and you got mad because we wouldn't stop singing the coconut song and then you got mad the next day when you showed up here unrested yes see how that no, works. no, okay, no, no, don't do that. You can't. That's how it works. You can't rest during the taping, Jeffrey. Yes, you can. You have one job, and that was to be awake uh, during the taping. That that little happy hour situation in the back. Once oh I yeah. Had that, wasn't once Big Frida hit. Now oh. I was up with Big Frida. Big Frida was. I uh, mean, she was popping. Booty, 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 booty. Oh, oh. It was amazing. Fantastic stage presence. Big crowd Frida engagement. is a gift. Is a gift. Is an is actual freaking gift yeah like a red thread through music you can put big frida on anything and it's gonna sprinkle pop. i cannot wait for big frida to have a documentary come out oh that would be amazing and not an unsung understand. either no shade no tea no shade unsung. no tea but a documentary i need her to be sung exactly yeah like i need, I need her candle to stay lit and the thing about, i love about big frida is think about the world that we live in where grandmas and their babies and older people like everybody can like have access to her back in the day the space that she takes up she would have been seen as a deviant, right? Exactly. Now she's celebrating as, a, as an original. And I love that we're in this space where people are being celebrated for things that 30 years ago, you would have had to do that in the back. And keep, uh, absolutely. Keep, you know absolutely. how that goes. And keep your identity concealed. But I'm so glad that we're at a place of where folks can be celebrated about their true identity right. and live in their authenticity and know that my authenticity and yours can coexist and those true truths can also remain the same. Remain the, same. The, the reason why I just perked up was I just had a thought. I was just thinking about what our friend group, because we're all very authentic. And I was thinking about when we were in the Ritz Carlton <laughs> and having a good kiki and all the rich white folks were just kind of clutching their pearls and not a damn was given. We were like, oh no, our tab is probably bigger than yours, honey. Maybe you should leave. And, but but the thing is that we weren't ignorant about it, right? Like we were taking up space and we were having a joyous time, but we were not obnoxious. And I think that's why a couple of the folks around us were like shocked. They were like, oh, they thought we were gonna be sadiddy. What is it like being a luxurious bourgeois black person <laughs> who also likes to have a good ratchet time? <laughs> like the, the intersection of bougie, but also authentically black. Cause back in the day there was like the stuffy blacks. Right. And then there was the fun black people. I'm realizing our group is like a combination, a melange, if you will. Right, a melange. A melange right. of both, right? <laughs> My good friend Mouse Goodlow calls that Sophista Ratch. So it is Sophista Ratchet. You know, where you can mm -hmm. be both sides. And I think that is the beauty of being black is that you can, you know, be tender but resilient at the same time. You can be abased and abound at the same time. You can be forward thinking and right in the moment at the same time. You can be caring as well as courageous and accountable at the same time. Like we have this ability, as W.E.B. Du Bois says, to be able to be connected to two souls that are tethering, tethering between us yeah. around being a uh, descendant of slaves that we have, of African slaves that were brought here, but then black Americans that created this country. And I think that at the end of the day, that's an empowerment, a power that we should embrace. Yeah, we should. This duality and this intersectionality of who we are. And so many times in life, we try to allow the world, or we do allow the world to put us in this box. And I think for me, 
you know, I was here, I was placed on earth to break the mold. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So part of my why in the work about that I do with Leaders Up around ensuring young people have the access, support, and um, opportunities to maximize their potential is that, you know, I'm from Richmond, California, which is the hood of the hood in the Bay Area. Even though you talk like you're from Selma, Martin. <laughs> I don't understand that either. <laughs> but, so you funny. know, Richmond is up south. A lot of people in the Great Migration move from the south okay. to the um, Bay it's, Area in the World okay, War II. So it's, because I, mean, I always joke in my mind, I just realized while you were talking, we always called David John uh, the Bayard Rustin of our time. And you're like Martin and Martin and, um, and Bayard Rustin. <laughs> that's, your Halloween, that's your Halloween costume. Oh, that's my original? Yeah, that's going to be you You and David should be Bayard and, and Martin. Oh, that would be because y'all. Funny. Y'all embody because I was like, is he from the South? I thought he was from California. <laughs> but yeah, I am from Richmond, California, you, born and raised. You talk like you from the South, though. But you were saying leaders up, like uh, you guys are about anti-racism, which is such a loaded coin of phrase, right? Because people hear any anything that's about con- combating racism and dealing with young people, and they automatically think militant and angry, and they want to pigeonhole it. But you're everybody that I've met from your organization is so joyous, right? Well, because it's liberating to be in a state of mind where you really believe that you can undo, you know, centuries of Century. work and systemic construction that has held people back. And we realize from an economy perspective, if we build an anti-racist economy, we're growing the GDP by trillions of dollars. Mm-hmm. We realize that we'll also be able to unlock wealth for families that have been historically marginalized, as well as hold accountable these corporations that claim that they are committed to advancing racial justice. Show me about pay equity. Show me how you're recruiting folks. Mm -hmm. Show me how you're training folks. Corporate America has made a big, big, big statement and drew a long line in the sand around advancing racial justice. So our belief is, help us advance an anti-racist economy. Here's the thing about anti-racist economy. What an anti-racist economy is not for anybody who's curious um, is you putting on kente cloth and watermelon salad on Juneteenth and having rainbow flags on everything because it's June in general. Like, this performative allyship is some BS to me. It gets on my nerves. You'll see people who in their practices are anti-gay, anti-black, anti-women, but let it be Women's Month or Breast Cancer Awareness Month or Pride Month or whatever, and suddenly they have all the garb on, right? Right. Like a costume, a a performative like allyship, and then they take it off and go back to being problematic. My thing is, who are the gatekeepers? If you don't have any people of color as a gatekeeper in any way, I don't believe you. Well, you got to have anti-racist people of color as gatekeepers. That part is not all kinfolk, um, skin folk or kinfolk. Exactly. Some and black folks don't people... like being black. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people in general don't have the skills to be able to identify, describe, and dismantle racist practices. That's because that's true. what it means to be an anti-racist, yeah. is that you're taking a proactive um, approach to actually dismantling and describing these issues that keep people from maximizing their potential. And that's a muscle that you have to uh, that you have to build. It's also an education that you have to to, to look immerse out. yourself in. Yeah, and, and the society won't give it to you. You saw what's happening in Texas. I don't even think they're teaching kids how to read anymore in Texas schools. Like there's so many school systems that are taking away anything that has to do with slavery being bad. Instead of like, oh, people came on a boat and they worked a little bit and then they got freedom. Like, there's these school systems that are in- intentionally, due to the GOP and different people who have who are lobbying, taking away the unsavory parts that we have to learn from, especially when it comes to the black community, right? And so part of education is that you have to seek education these days. Exactly. Because they're 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 spreading it out so that there's some states you go to, you can't even find out about slavery anymore. 
Well, the thing about it is, is that as black people and people of color in general, we should be not looking only to schools as the primary source of embedding our young people and embedding our community in the triumphs and the trials and even the journeys we have to take to get to where we are today. Yeah. We should be doing that our, as ourselves. When we think about, you know, how villages back on the continent was formed, every village had what? A griot. Someone that took the oral tradition and is able to pass down history from one generation to the next. And people, who, have, people who know me are, are laughing you said a griot because I, I worked at the griot for, for, oh, absolutely. for seven years. Absolutely. I am a griot. Yeah. You absolutely yeah. are. You know, Kendrick Lamar is a griot. Absolutely. Filmmakers are griots. You know, Nate Parker is a griot. Oh, yeah. Folks, um, uh, John Singleton is a griot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, there's so many black artists that are pushing the envelope to tell the truth about our pain but also our power at the same time and our joy exactly I'm, I always say this like y'all I know we're fighting the good fight people are always shocked that because of the work I do that I'm so goofy and I say what is the point of black liberation without black joy there is no like what are we even fighting for if we can't even be happy at the end and that's what you felt when you talked to the team at leaders up it is like liberation and joy we were were happy to talk about this work we had a good old time and invite folks in you know those things the struggle and joy can coexist as well and it's also contagious which is what i also want to give you a shout out but also blame you for for anybody who wants to cuss me out spending time with you and david that week and all the kikin we did and all the fun we did and i told you this too when I was at the the the, the af, um, happy hour with you guys, and I saw like, oh my God, these are really smart, civically engaged people who also like to have a good old time and are not judging each other. And it was so fascinating watching all the parts of me that used to be judged living freely and everybody around me. I was like, oh, like I found my people. Then I went to your birthday, and I saw you with your big Jeff energy. We're gonna unpack that in a second. <laughs> being loved up on and i was like wait jeff shows up the way that i do and he doesn't have to apologize for it and everybody around him lets him and they love on him and they see the beauty in it it made me reassess so many of my friendships you know what happened after that absolutely a couple you people start pruning when a you co- start growing a pruning happened hanging out with you and david there's a couple people who can't get me on the phone no more because y'all reminded me that it was okay to be my full self and expect people to show up as their full selves as well yeah you swapped out the fertilizer for the milk will grow Ooh. That's what that was. Okay, that's called a read. Yes, that's called. <laughs> <laughs> you are shady, mother. <laughs> no, that's the real deal. So many times we deal with the shit thing and that is stretching us and helping us grow. Yeah. When there's opportunities to build relationships that are potentially designed for you to grow and be stretched and not have to deal with the sugar honey iced tea. Yeah, like you guys have allowed me to be my full self. And the difference has been stunning. And I really just want to thank you for that. Oh, because. Welcome. People think the quality of a friendship is how long you've known someone. There, there are two kinds of people in this world: those who add value and those who take up space. Yep, amplifiers and diminishers. Exactly, and you added so much value that you accidentally sh- like shone a light on those who were taking space. Well, that's what happens when light is shown. Awkward. Doctor, darkness has to flee. And at the end of the day, I just want to also thanks receive that, but yeah. also empower you. You took this big step in surrounding yourself with people that were secure in who they were. Yeah, that's people true. who are secure in their identity their goals, their purpose, their passion. I was so not a threat to anybody. No, I was just you're adding, adding value. I was just adding, adding value. to it. Yeah. Like the cherry can't get mad at the banana and the fruit salad. We're all in the same salad. Let's roll. Not the cherry. J- Jeff, are you sure you're not from the South? <laughs> I'm not. I'm just speaking, I'm just speaking, <laughs> speaking uh, metaphors. I'm waiting for you to say that you hotter than the hoe in church. Like you, you and these other I ain't going to never say that because I ain't never been hotter than the hoe in church. <laughs> you know what? That's actually funny. <laughs> all right. So we. Church boy. You are very much a church boy, mm-hmm. and a lot of people who uh, are from the church are known for their musical talents. 
You like that pivot? Oh, look at that. Look, people come on. Kill. This, you ain't new to this. You true to I, this. I do this, right? Ah. Right. So you are someone who clearly, clearly studied music. And I know that because when we're joking and, and tipsy, you'll course correct the, the keys. Like, oh, what note is that? Very shady. Right. Don't sing. <laughs> you can't hum. Look, I'm going to say this, Jeff, and maybe you can help me with this. I actually used to sing for real mm -hmm. when I was younger. I was in the choir, and I had a very thick Tony Braxton voice. Okay. So the, the white folks in, in, in Boston, you know what? <laughs> Y'all hear this man coming from me? Only love will do this to you, right? I'm just talking. This is human eyes. It's human, and it's this human. is what we do. The tagline of the show is, we're human beings doing human shit. That's the tagline. So you're, you're And this is where, how we act in the other way. It really is. It, like, no translation. This is us for real. So, like, I was in the boys' choir because the white folks didn't, couldn't put me with the little white girls. because I, I just I, I sounded like Tony Braxton. Oh, so you were a tenor. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. I, I, it was it was trial tough. Yeah, it it was. Oh. Mm -hmm. And then my friend Ralph, who was a little light in the, in the in the foot, light in the shoes, as they used to say back in the day, he got one of the girls cry because he sounded like Ralph Tresvant, like he was very oh, high. Okay, okay. Here's the problem though. Me being the ham that I was back then, I did not do any of my vocal exercises. I was a ham. I was taking up all the space trying to show off. And I developed polyps on my vocal cords. Oh no. My mother said, they said, if she goes to therapy, therapy or surgery, she can sing. My mother said, unless you're about to be Whitney Houston, you need to go take up something else. <laughs> and that's how I became a writer, Jeffrey. Oh, you just use your voice in a different way. I use way. my voice differently. So when I see you sometimes, I'm always like, oh, I wish I could still sing so me and Jeffrey could like harmonize. And I can write about what you sing, though. Right. And I think of you as like a, a music like buff. Like we spent like, what, two hours watching Beyonce videos at your house? So there's a debate that's going on in the shade room. We're pivoting to hot topics real quick. Oh, gee, weird. And the, the debate on the shade room is about which love song, both of these calls are called love, lo called love, which is better, love by Music Soul Child or love by Keisha Cole? And to me, what are we doing right now? Why are we doing this? Those are apples and oranges. The de like the debate became very heated. So who would you pick in the debate? Love by Music Soul Child versus Love by Keisha Cole? Neither. I would just choose love and to choose Jeffrey, to love no, you have, you pick I don't have to. You can't tell. This, this, it's, this. it's the debate. Right. I, for me personally, I think that if I talked about the one that spoke to my heart the most, it'd be Love by Music Soul Child. It would, that would be mine as well. I mean, that just hits the, the construction of the song. Like, I, I appreciate his voice a little bit differently than I do Keisha Cole's, even though she's from the Bay. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the Bay. Shout out to the Bay. But it's just like a classic, you know, and you feel that from him. It's like you can feel it. It feels anointed. And it's so funny because I was two months ago, years old, when I found out that's a gospel song. I know. Look at your face. Well, you know, almost the whole any song is about God. Any love song could be a gospel. Yeah, song. but but that song this? is very specifically love. So many things I have to tell you, but, but I'm, I'm afraid, afraid. I, I, I won't know how. Uh, because there's a possibility that you'll look at me differently, love. And every time he says love, he's talking to God. Mm. Doesn't that give you a shiver? That I was like, is. oh. You know, God is love. So I was like, just for that reason alone, I feel like Music Soul Child should win that competition if we have to do apples versus tires. I mean, vocally, I'm just going to go out there and say, Keisha Cole can't light a flame to Music Soul Child's voice. Thank Period. you. I sans the run, sans all of that. You know. There was all these youngins saying, it's Keisha Cole, no competition. I was like, mm. Let's Keisha, let's hear Keisha live versus music live. You're on the wrong side of history. Mind you, I love Keisha Cole. Like when she sang last night, that's my drunk song. Last night, you know, oh, yeah, with, yeah. with Diddy. I love that song, but like music is like he has an instrument. It's funny that your favorite song of her is a feature and not her song. Oh, okay, Shady Bird. I'm um, just saying. We're gonna do a, a a very quick but not so quick question. Off the top of your head, without thinking about too hard, no wrong answers. Who are your top 
five favorite vocalists of all time. Not entertainers. I understand that. Because we understand. Who the top entertainer is. Yes. Right. We understand entertainer. And, mm. and we don't want to just spend 10 minutes talking about her. Okay, right? I um, we love and, her Yeah, we love her, though. And I'm going to be her for Halloween. But no, um, top five vocalists in your gut. And I, and I made it a point to do mine as well so that it would be fair. Okay, well, I would say... And this doesn't have to be an order if it's that's too yeah, much pressure. I would just say the Clark family in general. So yes. Karen and Kiki, Twinkie, Dorinda, all of them are in All the descendants, piece. their ancestors, and those yes. who are to come. Maddie, all of them, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I would also say, of course, uh, Whitney Houston. Yes. Um, I would toss Brandy in there. Um, I just love Brandy's voice. I, Some people call her the vocal Bible, which is challenging is. to me, but however common she Ooh, is. Why, why is that challenging? I mean, ain't nobody looking like, what did Brand, how did Brandy run That's during true. this song? But know? her voice is something her, else. Well, she has that voice you had in... Uh, y'all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. see the shade he said she had the she voice had you that had voice you had you fucked it up well, she got range brandy yeah. gonna take you somewhere with that voice she has a tremendous can I voice lessons and get it back yeah you can even though it's been like 30 years it's just a muscle it's been 30 just years start flexing it's been 30 years of me that's abusing fine. the muscle though that's fine it can come back that's why i got laryngitis by the way because of, of the polyps well the body is regenerative so i'm I, sure if you put some I energy into that, that. You know? if i start singing in future episodes you know that me and jeffrey went to vo vocal coach i'll go together. with you because there's some things i could fix up in this voice no too. i've heard you show up don't do that Wait, wait, wait for me to catch up a little bit and then who are the other two your, your top two five so vocalists. i would also say um aretha franklin oh um and this is and favorite, so there's no right, wrong answer, guys. I know, I know. Marvin Gaye. Oh. And I'd have to toss yeah. Donny Hathaway in there, too. And his daughter, Layla. So I gave you seven. I'm sorry. You know, Layla Hathaway is the only celebrity people have told me I look like that I didn't, like, get upset about. Oh, because she's beautiful. She has she's a beautiful, beautiful but it, I also see it more than the others. Mm -hmm. When you are a, a, a cute, like, chubby girl, they think we all, like, they say Queen Latifah. I think Queen Latifah's gorgeous. I don't look nothing like that lady. Jill Scott, gorgeous. Don't look mm -hmm. nothing like that lady. Jasmine Sullivan, don't look nothing like her. I was like, at least with Layla, we both had locks. Mm -hmm. And on the side, I, I could see it. A little it. cheekbone action it's, up yeah, here. Yeah, we have a, a similar mm -hmm. cheekbone, mm -hmm. but no, I love that. My list is... Um, a lot more sentimental. I wanted your list to go first because your I think it's gonna be technically sound. Mm -hmm. Mine is just based on who made me cry in the eighties. Ah, <laughs> I'm so tenderhearted. I love. I think the eighties and nineties were the epitome of black music in particular. It was a golden era that I think we're gonna be studying the way that we study the pyramids. I think there's something magical that happened in the 80s and 90s. And I think it was almost like everything that happened in the 60s and 70s. Set that up. Like, yeah, came to a crescendo in Ooh, the 80s and 90s. This is a beautiful preamble. What's your five? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, um, for emotional reasons, Luther Vandross, skinny oh, and fat. Yes, 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 yes. The first time I heard for only only for one night, I wept. Yeah. I, I was only like seven. I love his concert live at Radio City. Ugh. It's amazing. Mind you, it's a song about a one night stand. So, mm -hmm. like seven year old Blue didn't know that. I just right. knew that my heart was swelling. I was like, why are my emotions? Um, also, uh, Babyface. Okay. I have a thing about any song that Babyface, and this is me cheating. I don't think of him as a vocalist. There's something about what he produces. Oh, that's what I was about to say. Him as a producer. So for, you said the the, the the Sheer family, for me, it's the Babyface ecosystem. Oh, yes. So anything in the Babyface, LaFace ecosystem, mm -hmm. I'm going to want... Like that Waiting to Exhale soundtrack. Oh, oh my God. The, it's, oh. oh, the whole thing. Did we just get the Holy Ghost? We did. <laughs> I think it's the first just, time. That was a sweet... <laughs> I mean, from Shaka Khan, Funny Valentine. So speaking to of which, next on my list is a tie between Shaka and Patty. Oh. And because I feel like at my shadiest, I'm aging into a Patty. 
when I'm being ratchet, I'm aging into a shaka. <laughs> ah, well, you know, that's some depth on that ratchet side with shaka. Oh, well, here's the thing. Fun story. I used to have a, a big red uh, fro. Mm -hmm. It was very shaka Khan-like. And I went to ABFF, and I was tipsy as hell, because they get you drunk on the beach in South Beach for ABF. It's the American Black Film Festival. Mm -hmm. We have to go one year. We need to go. It is so fun. We should go to the Martha's Vineyard Black Film Festival, too. Oh, that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. The minute we're done, we're going to talk about that. Okay. You know, don't invite me to a good time. I'll show up. We know. <laughs> we know. Okay. With treats. I'll be there with treats early. <laughs> so I'm there, ABFF. <laughs> but you know to call ahead before you bring them lollipops to one of my events. Oh, I, and I brought some, too. <laughs> we'll talk about the lollipops in a second, guys. Inside jokes. So I'm at the, the ABFF. It's like noon, and I'm, and I'm already tipsy. But everybody's tipsy with me. Mm -hmm. I'm in the bathroom, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I said something funny, and somebody started laughing. And this girl walks up to me. She's like, you really remind me of like a young Shaka Khan. Who, by the way, was a bad bitch. So thank you. Oh yeah, you. still a bad bitch. And Let's I was, I was a little bit more snatched back then, but still bad. Like this, mm -hmm. was, this was when all my cheekbones were showing. Okay. Trying to get back to that old face, and I, being tipsy, was like, "No, girl, you just saying that because my hair is red." Because people say crazy things when you have bright hair. This woman turns around. She's like, "No, Shaka's one of my best friends. You do act like her when you're tipsy." Oh, so excuse me. She pulled out her phone. She said, "Try the spirit, by the spirit." So I can confirm that when I am tipsy. I'm embodying the spirit of Shaka, Shaka Khan. Is your spirit, your tipsy spirit animal. Now, I've seen her tipsy on verses, so I don't know how much I want to receive that. Well, that's, you know, that's that Shaka in her prime, that Shaka now. It, okay, who else is on my list? Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Went to a Stevie Wonder concert. We had to beg him to stop. I don't know if they didn't tell him how long the concert was supposed to be. It started turning off the lights. It was like a six-hour concert. Because he can just keep going and going. Every time we got up so to much. leave, we were like, it's been five hours, we got to yeah. go home. There's a ribbon in. I'm like, right. now you're going to do ribbon in the sky because we're about to leave? Stevie Wonder is definitely on my list. Mm -hmm. I feel like he is a blueprint in so many ways. Oh, absolutely. And I have to pay homage to that. And then I'm going to be honest, for my fifth, I think I did five, right? There's a tie between Patty and Shaka. There's Luther. There's the Babyface ecosystem with Stevie Wonder. You're going to get mad at me for um, the, the last one. I, even though I know she is not vocally the strongest, Jeffrey, fix your face. We can see you. Oh, yeah, take a sip. This is what you should drink. There's more. There's, there's more. Sips, sips yeah. wine. Yeah. Um, I am in love with the catalog of Janet Jackson. Okay. Okay. Even though you put a caveat on this list saying performer no, uh, versus singer. I'm just saying. I love it out though. I love Erica Badu too, down to my core. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Erica Badu in a second. Mm -hmm. So I originally had Erica on here. Mm -hmm. The reason why I mentioned Janet is because Erica is me when I'm barefoot and healing. Janet is me when I'm being loved on properly. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when I'm like trying to self-soothe, because I do that mm -hmm. a lot. Taurus is like love to self-soothe. Yeah, it's like Joe Malone versus Bond number nine. Yeah, we we love exactly. Mm -hmm. We we love a, a candlelit moment. Yeah. We yeah, love yeah. we 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 love that's some galaxy the, that's light. The Janet Joe Malone. Yeah. And so for me, like I realized that when I'm blossoming, yes, I find on. myself listening to Janet's, right? But but when I'm adding the fertilizer and I'm pruning and doing all that, that's mm -hmm. not listening to Erica. When you're doing the work. When I'm doing the actual work, when I'm listening to Erica yeah. because she helps me get through the work. Yeah. I, me, Erica, and a joint have 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 moved mountains. Move mountains. Right? Mountains. Mountains. But when you know somebody blew my back out the night before and my edges are laying properly. Properly. <laughs> suddenly I'm listening, I'm listening to Janet all day. All day. <laughs> so my list is yeah, I, I love this list. Now who if you had to say were your top three perform full full entertainers? Now you can say the person that I know you wanted to say earlier. Beyonce. Of course. <laughs> Eric Abadu would be in both categories. I love an Eric Oh, that's Abadu. good. Her performance is so amazing. She is extraordinary live. 
Extraordinary. Extraordinary oh, life. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And, hmm, Kanye. Ooh, controversial, but brave. I love Kanye. And you walked in looking like college dropout, so I received that. Don't let the Gucci Adidas combo fool you. You I know, walked Ka- in giving big jack. Kanye like, loves a good collab now. <laughs> Kanye loves him a good high-profile collab. High-profile collab. Look, and the funny thing is, like, now that I've been in his presence, this subtle flux was brought to you by, Um, I can say that, there, like, he is exactly who I thought he was before... We all got upset. Like he's exactly who I thought he was. Exactly. Um, like in that in that Netflix uh, documentary, he's exactly that. Yeah, like he. It's it. like a. He's first of all, he's a Gemini, and because even though I'm a Taurus, people hate when I say this. I have a lot of Gemini in my chart. That's why I'm, I'm a spicy Taurus. I'm mischief- What's in? We're gonna we're gonna do your. Yeah, we got. I don't know. We gotta do your chart because it's something because because if you like my mischief, there's something else in you too. Our other friend Jeff, there's another Jeff. Yes, there is. We, we, Jeff. we know the other Jeff. He's also been on the show. He's a Taurus and he was a spicy Taurus. I was like, well, you got some Gemini in there? He is a spicy Taurus. Sure enough, no, he and I, we have almost the same exact chart. Ah, okay. So we're Tauruses with a lot of frisky Gemini thrown in. So I'm wondering, mm, wonder I'm wondering what's in your chart. But no, um, I think my list would be Beyonce, um, Prince. Speaking of Gemini's, uh, the king of all were Gemini's. Were you out here when Prince was down at the forum and did all those? No. Uh, oh, he did a series of like low ticket price concerts. I remember that actually. Amazing. I almost I was bi coastal then, so I was coming every quarter, and I almost flew out, and I couldn't, and I was so saddened. Um, he actually died my birthday weekend, oh. and let me just tell you about how much I love Prince. Prince, um, when I was at my lowest, um, he had a song that he wrote in like 1982 called "Baby I'm a Star." Nobody knew who the fuck he was yet. Um, and the song, so you might not know me now, but pretty soon, baby, baby, you gonna know, baby, I'm a star. The entire song, when you listen to it now, was a manifestation. Like oh, him wow. at like twenty something, or like just young, like had already known who he was going to be, and oh, he was already Prince. Like it wasn't like he evolved into Prince. This was like he came this out was like as the Prince. precursor to Beyonce's bigger. Exactly, mm-hmm. he came out as Prince. As he should. And we all mocked him until we all fell in line, right? right? And I remember there was a video of one time Michael Jackson had a concert, and he said, oh, I think Prince is in the audience. And he came up and got on the bass and sung. And everybody clowned Ooh. him. They clowned him. They thought, like, who is this weird twink flitting around with his, like, they, and he got mad, threw the thing down. He kicked over stuff. You know, Michael's like, oh, my God. <laughs> He's like, fuck y'all. Y'all on Michael's like, I didn't I invite you on stage to do this. Right. No tip. <laughs> They had an interesting friendship. We'll talk about that. And then so I love Baby, I'm a Star because it was a song that I listened to and I was like, I just want to move to L.A. and start over. Within six months of me listening to that every morning as my morning affirmation, I found myself at his studio. Mm. At the Paisley Palace? Yes. We love the Paisley Palace. Three months after that, I found myself moving moving to L.A. So to me, like Prince is almost like my spirit animal for like big dreams. Mm. He also was very mischievous. And so I feel like me and Prince should have been friends. Um, and the third person on my list is Michael. It's so funny that Michael, Prince, and Beyonce all had a trifecta of a relationship because Prince and Michael were like good cop, bad cop with each other. They had like a, a love-hate relationship. And then they both ended up being like mentors to Beyonce. Um, I will say to one person that I wanted to put on the list, but I just couldn't figure out who to take off. I am now obsessed with Tina Turner. Oh, you have to be. You have to and be. I will tell you, the reason I'm obsessed with Tina Turner, and let me know if, if is because she has gone through everything and started over and we fell in love with her the second time around yeah, she had that phoenix effect so like the b- biggest thing if you haven't watched the tina turner documentary have you watched it i haven't yet 
Jeffrey, you have to watch it. Maybe I'll invite you over. I'll come over to your house and we'll watch it. We're having dinner this weekend, aren't we? Yeah, we're doing something. We're always, okay, doing, we're something. always doing something. Yeah, what, yeah, I mean, what does that mean? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we might have plans tomorrow and I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest thing I love about the Tina Turner documentary and why I, I wanted to talk to her, about her with you is in her documentary, she talks about how for the first 40 years of her life, she was under Ike's thumb. She was seen as a background dancer, even though she was Annie Mae. She was up front. He was seen as the mastermind. Um, she lost everything in the voice and said, "I want you can have everything but my name. And at 45, she rebranded herself as a rock star. 45. The Tina Turner that we all clap for and know of oh, yeah. didn't even happen until she was 45. Mm -hmm. In this season of life that you are approaching uh, your more mature years, even mm -hmm. though you, 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 know, you look young, do you find yourself renegotiating how you want to show up for this next chapter of your life now that you're on the other side of 35? Because I think there's something that happens after you hit 35 where you're like, Oh, like I'm I'm the grown up in the room. Like I I'm used to like when I grow up, you're like, oh no, we're here, this is it, right? Like, what do you think this chapter, this next let's say 15 years of your life is gonna look like for you? You know, it's showing up in the space with authenticity and with appreciation for 38 years of life. Oh, you yes. said the number. I wasn't gonna say it. I'm fine with that. I love that I you're proud of your age. Okay. I'm proud of my age, and I'm proud of the journey and the experience and the wisdom and the lessons. Um, and the capabilities I've been able to build over 38 years. You yeah. know, sometimes, a lot of times, I bet on potential, but mm -hmm. there's a value proposition to experience as well that helps you understand um, how to navigate a room, how to build a relationship, mm -hmm. how to and what to take bets on, that social capital that you can't gain just from being a visionary or just from being and a And social creator. intelligence, too. Emotional intelligence, yeah. Because emotional you know? intelligence, like, a lot of people are, can be emotionally intelligent, but they don't know how to apply it socially. Well, it's, I see it as a quadrant, right? I'm you like, hello. Be, you have to be personal aware and personally regulated, socially aware mm -hmm. and socially regulated. Like, that quadrant Amen. is the EQ that we all want to tap into. And I'm thankful yeah. for that in my years as well, where I understand the energy that I can exude so I can calibrate that in order to make room and make space for other folks. That part, did you hear that? When you grow and get bigger and evolve, you can still make room. Oh yeah, because you realize the world is way bigger than you. That's why I, I can't go hiking. stand sting stingy energy. Oh, it makes my booty itch. I hate a miser because we're Ooh. so giving. You know what we talked about? We don't like the spirit of a beggar. We don't like the spirit of a beggar. <laughs> we like the spirit of abundance. Yeah, right? in our friend group, we're like, oop, Ooh. she got the spirit of a beggar. And here's the thing: the spirit of a beggar doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yes, you but you're a beggar nonetheless. Oh, Jeffrey, I was trying to clean it up, honey. Why? Because why are you begging? <laughs> the word said, "I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed what begging bread." That's the word. Look at him, Pastor. I'm trying to. I'm just saying. Because there's a lot of people who have the spirit of the beggar, but and, and they're, they're listening to this. They need to, to release this, that. They do need to release it. And how would you recommend that someone release the spirit of a beggar? Jeffrey? You own your self worth. Yeah. You realize that you don't have to beg for anything. Yeah. That all your needs will be met if you tap into your own purpose. You protect that. You understand how to sustain your own peace. You will be able to see but, joy. But there's some folks who I think the spirit of a beggar also comes from lack and envy. That's the, I think that's, that's the recipe for a spirit of a beggar, right? You never think there's enough, and you envy those who do think there's enough. So it's a scarcity yeah. and insecurity, and but how what, do you address that? Like yeah, Exactly. So it's like when you meet someone, if you were to meet an amazing person, but they have the spirit of a beggar, how would you handle, would you still engage with them and try to mentor them, or would you be like, this is not our It's season. not my space to hold. I got one business to run, and that's mine. Nope. Jeffrey said, nope. we're not doing those kind of no, workshops. Do-it-yourself project. Have, did you have a mentor growing up that helped you stay focused and clear the way that you are right now? Because you're a mentor to so many, so many people yourself. I have plenty of mentors, and that's part of like my cornerstone of my success mm -hmm. in life continuously is to always have 
a village of individuals around me where I can always glean from. And it's not just, you know, from a standpoint of someone pouring into me, but also laterally. Yeah. And being around individuals that don't have the spirit of a better, have the spirit spirit of abundance that allows you to be yourself in that space, to add value to the space and experience the overflow as well. I have so many dynamic men and women in my life from my young age until now to this mm -hmm. day that are pouring into me pushing me forward and that's really the that's really the secret to my success is that one I'm intellectually humble enough to understand that I don't know everything so I'm just curious talk about it you know I'm curious talk about it and want to learn curiosity is funny enough we had a whole class on that yesterday so my, my students and I were talking about it. I was like the easiest way not to be a people pleaser or not to be smug is to have a spirit of curiosity absolutely just ask questions and and not be attached to being right or wrong, just being attached to learning. Exactly. I said it all the time. Yeah. And my team was like, I don't need to be right. Let's just go after what's righteous. Mm -hmm. All of us come together and actually move in the direction necessary to make the most impact. And that was one of my big learning lessons as a leader is that you don't have to be right, Jeff. Yeah. You if don't you, have to be if right. If you're a good leader, you're not gonna you're not gonna always be right. So it's not hopefully gonna, hopefully there's some smarter folks around yeah. me that if can you're make a good it, leader, you should not always be the only exactly. person who's right. Because God forbid you you have a sick day. Now the right left the room. Right. Oh, hold on. My mic, my, my camera keeps on going off. As we're having a small production problem, is 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 the is the Harrison? My cam, my my camera keeps flashing. Is everything okay? Oh, that that didn't sound confident. He he said it it should be okay now. Should be okay now. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to hold on to the spirit of, of, of fear. Mm -mm. Um, but yeah, we've been having technical difficulties. The funny thing is, Mercury retrograde was beautiful to me. It's the shadow period that's been biting me in the ass. Mm -mm. I had actually had a decent retrograde. Retrograde is the time of things just revealing themselves. Falling apart. Revealing themselves. Mm -hmm. Things are revealing. Because that's the thing, right? Sometimes when things fall apart, they're just revealing what was underneath. Absolutely. How do you pivot from deep disappointment because one thing that earth signs do have in common astrologically speaking is we invest so so heartily that when the investment doesn't falls through it it doesn't hit it doesn't wince like there's a pinch there right because you really really cared how do you pivot away from disappointment or how do you um heal or soothe yourself on the other end of disappointment because if you're going to be abundant and risky and doing all these things, you're also going to have to learn how to deal with when things don't go your way. Absolutely. And that's just a part of life. But one, I just commit to failing forward. What do I learn mm -hmm. from this lesson that I can take from me and take from me and make me better in the future? I think also is that you manage expectations for folks. I used to have just a general expectation for everyone around me that they were going to meet the mark. And what I've realized mm. is that there's a gradation of standards based upon, you know, how close you let folks in, how yeah. much you care for them, how uh, and what you expect. So I use this thing like gas. You know, you got regular, plus, and premium. You did give me that speech one time and it hit. You're, you know, right. and everybody don't get premium treatment. They don't get yeah. that premium, but that energy, that investment, it's, it's going to be reciprocated when you're in the premium category. Yeah. Plus, you kind of yell you're in between, but it's still full with you, et cetera. Regular, it's fine. You're in the ethos. You're in the atmosphere. You're in the community. And yeah. let me tell you the truth. All lines of gas to get you there. Especially yeah, my gas. Because access, you know what? You better stunt. <laughs> access, I'm just saying. Access is power, right? So yeah. the fact that you're getting any gas is already a gift, right. right? I will say, the kids, I think, synthesize that to say, I'm matching energy. I've been matching energy this these days. Because I used to be giving premium to everybody. Mm -mm, you can't do that. 
And my friend who actually coined the phrase, like who said to, about somebody that we won't talk about, was like, I think she blue, she has the spirit of a beggar. And when she said that, it struck me like, you're right. I, I, I keep befriending beggars is there's an old phrase, um, throwing pearls before swine. Yep. And I feel like I want to only have premium gas moments. And so I just give it to everybody, not realizing that their cars are not able to take it. Right. And then it diminishes the value of premium. It really does. If, if I was handing out Maseratis pretty soon, nobody would mm, want a Maserati no more. Want one. So discernment has been a mm, huge word yes. in a lot of our conversations. And part of discernment is being able to take the L. I think a lot of times what people call loyalty is actually your ego not wanting to admit that you chose incorrectly. Mm. And I have had to have that wig snatching moment with myself. Like, I'm like, I'm just too loyal. And then I, I'm sitting there like, Blue, you just don't want to admit that you chose wrong. This is, this is not loyalty. You don't want to admit that all that investment didn't have the payout that you expected. Well, that's also one thing. Let me cut yeah. in there is that I really am moving to a level where if I'm doing it, I'm doing it with no expectations for return anyway. Yeah, because the consciously, energy, consciously, consciously, because the energy that I put out there is going to return to me. It might not return in the form that I wished it to be or that from the part. individual that I wish. That part. But at the end of the day, you're going to reap what you sow. So yeah. I continue to sow that level of energy. I just sow it in the fields in infertile ground worth sowing it. I'm not in fields where swine yeah. are at anymore. Oop, and neither am I, oink, oink. Um, I love the part where you mentioned that it might not, like when you invest wholeheartedly, and you realize that what was loyal, misplaced loyalty was actually you just wanting to see the best in someone and not wanting to admit that they might never be the version of them that you see, you're still going to get it back even if it's not from them. Absolutely. Because there's been times where I've had my heart broken and then a huge blessing came afterwards. Absolutely. And, and I was like, ain't this about a bitch? <laughs> and sometimes we plant seeds of trees we'll never enjoy the shade of. Absolutely. You know, and that's okay too because, again, you're operating out of spirit abundance. So anything that anyone is getting around me is overflow anyway. I'm okay. And that's a big thing going back to your other que your uh, question a few moments ago around what I'm taking with me in this age of 38 is that self-care, self-love, you know, self-identity, mm -hmm. self-awareness, owning all that is me first is yeah. number one priority because once I'm taken care of, then I can take care of other folks. Then yeah. I can make space for other folks. But so many times that frame has been lens that's selfish mm -hmm. and it's not. It's self-love. And, and there's a healthy form of selfish too. I always say that there's some languages that, that they actually have more than one version of selfish and I feel like English failed us by only having one version of selfish. English has failed so many things. True. Um, shout out to the colonizers. Uh, because I feel like there's a look at Jeffrey's face. There's a version of selfish that is healthy and I am someone um, who is not good at being selfish. The biggest misconception about me is that because I'm loud and boisterous and I have such a clear sense of right and wrong that I must also have a huge ego. I've taken so many psychological assessments. I've done human design. I've looked at my astrology. I've done Myers-Briggs. I've gone to a therapist. And the one thing that comes up when I talk to an expert is I don't have enough ego. Mm. People find that so hard to believe because they associate loud and knowing your value with ego, right? And what I realized is not having enough ego is actually as dangerous as having too much ego. Well, let's name people. The emotionally intelligent and inept think that, think that ego is synonymous with... Being joyous and boisterous. Exactly, and that's not the case. Get yeah. to know me. Get to, you know, tap in. Yeah. You know, and those are the things where people just settle for stereotypes Amen. rather than going deep. And that's an indicator for me if we should be connected or not at the get regular premium or plus level at the end of the day. Some folks don't even make it into the station. Some folks need to call Uber. 
Like, you need to call you a ride. Some people just need to get ahead and get an electric car. Ooh. You don't even worry about my not, not plug it in, Jeffrey. Wait plug a it in and stay <laughs> powered. So if my biggest, the biggest misconception about me is that I have a big ego, what's the biggest misconception about Big Jeff Energy? I think the audience already knows that's you at this point. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I think it's the same. Like, it's yeah. that you have an ego because you're proud of who you are and where you came from. Was your peacocking? Uh, that's your peacock. And actually, I'm just living my life the way that I've been lived it and the way that my father and my mother raised me to live. Yes. You know, and at the end of the day, Big Jeff Energy also is one of those tra is one of the manifestations of a transformative okay. point for me where I was able to take some of the misconceptions and hurt um, and vulnerabilities and insecurities I have from my relationship with my father, God rest his soul, mm. and translate that into something that is empowering, not just for me, but inspiring for other people at the same time. And everybody has this big energy in them. You need to just name it. Mm -hmm. One of the uh, my newest favorite movies is Pixar. It has this movie about this big red panda that comes out. I want I wanted to watch it. Oh, we can watch it. We can watch it. I wanted movie. to watch that. It's yeah. really, really good. And the, and the premise of the movie A lot is of that, men were mad at that movie, by the way. Hmm. A lot of men are mad all the time. Oop, okay, continue, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just her managing this energy that was in him and, and her and manifesting that her way, yeah. not her mother's way, not her grandmother's way, or her auntie's way. And her aunties and ancestors and grandma had to realize that's okay. Yeah. And Big Jeff Energy has given me, actually, is my point of liberation where I can be multiple truths at the same time and not judge yourself and therefore people around you don't judge you either absolutely which is what i saw at your birthday you know it's 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 very interesting to see how when we give ourselves permission we unintentionally like literally even when you don't realize it you don't know who's watching we're giving other people permission i can't tell you how many times i've read comments and people are watching these episodes and they'll be like oh i saw that episode with so and so and they really made me see x y and z so it's like we're having a regular conversation we have these conversations every day absolutely we, for those who are watching jeff and i talk like this every single day every day on text at happy hour <laughs> at taco tuesday in, in the, the club gram. another club Air, airport more clubs Remember that? in the hot tub in the hot tub right <laughs> ribs carlton swap me lamert right. beverly hills right. ladera and we exactly we take it for granted that we have so much goodness and one of the things i think i realized is i watch gender wars be performatively splashed all over social media, right? But real life, in my real life, there are two sides of people that I realize that I gravitate towards that social media would tell you doesn't exist. I love black people who love being black. That's the first group that I love because on social media, they make us all feel like we hate ourselves. And I love black men who love black men, women. You and all the men in my life that I hold space with you love black women. There is no gender wars in any capacity. I've never even for a minute felt misogyny in that way. And then I met your mom and it made sense. It made all the sense in the world. And I was like, Jeff is a mama's boy in the healthy way. Like I wish like there was a way to encapsulate black men who've been loved on properly by black women and who give right. love properly to black women. Like what does it feel like when you're mentoring and working with young boys in particular and you can tell that they are harboring some kind of bitterness from not either not having a father figure or having a, a tense relationship with their mother. Like, how do you help them when it comes to that pain around not seeing black people and black men and women love each other properly? Because it's all over the place right now. The youth are going through a pandemic of being able to love each other. There's a lot of infighting happening in our community. Well, first of all, you know, when, I, when I'm engaging young adults in mentorship or coaching, the first point is just around self-reflection mm -hmm. and self-discovery. 
you know, what elements about yourself are you super proud of? What are your superpowers? Oh, I love that. Let's take an asset that's framed in developing and shaping your future identity because nine times out of 10, a lot of young people are locked to an identity that was sold to them that they inherited mm-hmm. tra- traumatically. Yeah. So how do we start undoing and unlearning that identity and start constructing the identity that you want to project that is in- innate within you? You know, what is your vision for your life? What's your unique value? Mm -hmm. What village do you have around you that's constantly reinforcing that and shaping that and helping you? I call that V3. I'm walking young adults through a process where they're like, "Hmm, what do I want to be? What can I be? Who's around me that's supporting that effort? But do they end up seeing you as a father surrogate then? Because because here's my thing. I'm very clear. I ain't got no kids. (laughs) I didn't mean to laugh so loud, but that's funny as hell. Because <laughs> a lot of mentors were like, these are all my kids. Jeff was like, nah. You're, none of you are my kids. Not like that, because it's like, this is no. not what this is about. And I'm not, I'll There's a clear. burden in that, so I'm I love that you I'm not a mentor, I'm a coach. Yeah. And there's a difference. But a lot of people will still feel it as mentorship. Like, you know how people internalize things? So my thing is like... A lot of mentors need that energy to plug up their insecurities. Ooh, we reading today. We're not reading, we're just calling things out. Like, that is toxic behavior. It is toxic behavior, and I'm happy you called it out, because I was going to mention it. I was like, one of the things I love about you is, I've watched you be a big brother to so many people, but you don't carry the martyrdom or the burden of having to be everybody's savior no, and then sometimes or everybody's I'll, pappy. And sometimes I tell folks, oh, Jeff, I didn't hear from you in three, four days. I just need some time to myself, period. <laughs> and, that's, and I'm a very busy person. So you're not going to, I'm not that. No. Jeff said, look, if things get too heated, I might need a year. When you said, we were in the hot tub and you said that, I was like, a year? I need to figure it out for me. And then you said, no, Blue, I need a year for myself. I need a year to just figure it out. Yeah, that's not putting nobody on punishment or restriction or all that. I need to take a break to be reflective around my interaction with the energy, how I engage how I can lead in the moment, what things about myself I'm willing to adjust and what things are no just ironclad standards so that when we do re-engage, there's more congruence. Because obviously yes. there's conflation in how we think things need to operate from my perspective or someone else. So let me take a sit back. Well, the reason why I frame that around the context of mothers and fathers and family is because a lot of those wounds that make people attach too hard is because they didn't have a father and there's a void in their heart or because they, they didn't have oh, a loving yeah. mother and there's a void. And for me... Um, I haven't been as good as you have been about not accidentally becoming a parental figure. I've had a lot of people have me or want me or act like they they want me to treat like, like I'm the, the, their mother, and I have to be like I'm not your mom. Well, First of all, we're the same age, so that's awkward. It's ma- like the math ain't mathing, but math ain't math. I don't want to be anybody. This, being matronly is not something that I aspire to be, and I feel like it's it's not my I'm walk. Glad you don't aspire. I, to be I am babe. not a Some matron, honey. Be okay, because your mom was a hoe. Okay, but Ooh. I'm. Not, let me stop. <laughs> Now we see your mother at the club. No, I'm not a matron. <laughs> and because I'm not a matron, I realize that's why I've started. I'm so cheeky. I bring up sexually explicit, cheeky things, mm-hmm. inappropriate adult settings. Right. I mean, you, you've met me. Well, exactly. I I've mean, been you with know, you. Yeah, you've, you've been in the room. I've been around the block. And I think a part of that is because I think I'm so cognizant of how black women in particular are put as the mammy or the Jezebel or like the loud, angry black woman. I always want to make sure that I'm showing up as all parts of me so that you can't hyper-focus on just one part of me. Absolutely. So I'm goofy. I'm sexual. I'm being super earthy and loving and nurturing. I might bust you're the cap be- up your ass. Right. But they're, you're they're being all human because we're dynamic. And that's the exactly. problem when you allow someone to categorize you. Yeah. 
rather than saying that this is who I am and this is how I choose to show up in this very moment in time. Mm -hmm. It might be different somewhere else. And I can I have the authority to choose how I show up in that space, too. And people also have biases, right? Because I feel like part of seeing the fact that you have made peace with your relationship with your father, you have a loving mother who, like, watching her, she keeps, she, that's one of the things. Your mother watched you party. She wasn't hovering. She wasn't snatching her pearls. She was just chilling and sipping well, next to me one thing. on and, the couch. And honestly, BJE should be BJ squared E because it should be Big Jeff and Janine energy. As not, much not as your I mother am, got Big BJE too. I'm just saying, <laughs> no, just from the standpoint because I'm an amalgamation of the both, yeah, of the both of them, you know. And my mom has always been an individual that's been securing herself, never had to be a part of the group. And always wanted the best for her children. Mm -hmm. And even when she comes down and she's also very fabulous, honey. I mean, uh, yes. I for mean, those who would know, that's what runs in the she's family. She's a Libra, though. honey. So mm -hmm. if you know what a Libra woman is like, you know what a I'm Libra saying. A Libra woman with a Taurus child. That child. Is opulence. You hear me, honey? Decadence. Love. Opulence. You know, I, I was adjusting like, our energy. I'm, I saw, saw her and you together. I was like, got it. Makes sense. Say less. Yeah. I will never ask you another question about why you show up the way you show up. I mean, and don't be confused. I, it's not about the brands. It's not what's in you. I mean, mm. it's not what's on you. It's what's in you. Yeah. You know. Although the Gucci and Adidas collab on your head. I mean, it's a great accoutrement. You know what? Who got to give that to you? Austin gave that to you? Mm-hmm. Austin Cash gave me my shout, shout out, out to Austin. Austin. Great gift giver. Austin is I, such a... a he, there's something about him where I just want him to win. Every time I see Austin, I'm like, and it, I, he tells me something that he's doing. I'm mm. so proud of he's him. He's such a great go-getter. Yes, Super he ambitious. is. Like, you want him to win. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's so dope. So your mother is the reason why you are like this. And my mother's also the reason why. I love my mother. She's amazing. She's also over-nurturing. So she's the reason why I had to learn boundaries on my own. So I'm like, your mother already knew boundaries ahead of time. And I think, you know, in addition to that, my mom has had this security to evolve her relationship as with me as a child into a man as I've evolved as well. Right. And my mom has made space for that. We have different types of conversations now. I'm I've always been close to my mom, but we're closer than ever because we have adult conversations. You can give her feedback without exactly. being shamed into one thing that a lot of black parents and black elders do. And it's bi-directional. Yeah, they, what they do is they act like once you hit like 35, 40, they can still talk to you crazy mm -mm. and that they, they don't have to respect you as a fellow adult. And I love when I see black parents and their children, their adult children, recognizing that respect has to be reciprocal. I am controversial but brave in saying that I think the respect should be reciprocal even when they're younger. There's a way you can show oh, yeah, a child respect There's a way that you can show a child respect. Because I, I was a smart kid, and I was like, y'all lying to me. And I used to be mad, like, why all y'all lying? And I used to think the adults were assholes because I was still cognizant enough to know they were lying to me because they showed me no respect. Mm. And then they wondered why I left at 19, and they couldn't get me to get, get back on the phone. So, like, I know what it's like to be a smart kid. I'm so worried about having a smart kid who's going to tell me about myself. Your mother and, you, and your relationship was such a healthy relationship of, about a black son and their mother. Um, she wasn't doing the thing where she was, and I hate to say this, a lot of black moms tend to handicap their sons. Yeah, because they think their son is their soulmate. I'm happy that there was no emotional incest happening because that's the, the mama's boy in the in the bad sense. The baby boy. Yeah, when people say mother's boy, they mean the that version. Mm -hmm. So seeing you and your mom in the healthy version, I was like... Well, maybe we should reframe it. This is a mother's man. My mother's man could be could be her special friend though. Well, that could, that's my mama's man. <laughs> my mama's man. But this is a mother's man. Yeah, you yeah. You know where a mother is making space for the man that her son is evolving into, and also understands if you raise a boy man or a man child, that's your responsibility too. And you know why? And this is where you see how clever I am. 
this seems like we're just having an organic conversation. The reason why I've geared the conversation in this direction is because this episode is coming out right around Father's Day. Hmm. And I wanted to talk about giving mothers and sons their flowers right around Father's Day because I think Father's Day should be for fathers. I agree. This is going to be piss off some people. So all the women out there who are very angry and bitter at the men who um, understandably broke their hearts and who have sons and daughters who they say, I'm both the mommy and the daddy. I'm here to tell you, no, you're still just a mother. And I don't mean the word just as in like devaluing the, the diminishing and saying, I'm saying that being the mother and the father and using that terminology and having that mindset is what creates unhealthy bonds between mothers and sons. It was creates emotional and like incestuous relationships where you're acting like he's your man and not your kid and now he can't get married because you hate his wife because she's competition. Exactly. It creates all these spaces. It also creates the bitterness that makes men grow up thinking, damn, my mom hates the person, the man that I look like. Now I'm wondering why I subconsciously feel a bitterness towards women, not realizing that I'm judging women based on how I heard my mother talking about my daddy, right? Mm. And so I think part of us reclaiming the black community, loving on each other in a healthy way is recognizing mothers are mothers. And that's amazing. And fathers are fathers. And I love how in your situation, you recognize your father for what he did, what he taught you and the space that he created like for you. And you recognize your mother and you didn't conflate the two. And I wanted around this episode that's going to be airing right around Father's Day and Juneteenth. Yep, 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 yep. You see what I was doing there the whole time? Look at you. I want black families to be healthy. Ladies, stop competing with the guy that didn't show up for his kid. Find other male figures like Jeffrey, who he doesn't want to be a mentor. Jeffrey done told you. <laughs> He's not going to be a surrogate daddy, y'all. <laughs> no, but find men like Jeffrey, that. like David, like the other Jeff, like all the amazing men that I've had on this show. Find men like that who can be of a tribe, like you mentioned earlier, for your son if they don't have a father figure that's the biological father. Because there's many ways to be family. Oh, absolutely. Because we're family and we're not related. Absolutely. Although I think in the past life you were my little brother. I thought you said we were cousins. No, no, yeah, no, yeah, yes, we were cousins and we would get into trouble with each other. And David would be like our bougie, uh, like brother or something, who would be like, Jeff, you gotta get come back in the house. Right. We were all back. We were all related. Jeffrey, I cannot believe that we only have like five minutes left. Oh, wow. You see how quickly it goes? It so, goes so fast. I tell people all the time, like, we're going to hit the points, but it's going to be a conversation, honey. Right. It's not going to be like talking to Connie we're Chung. It's still organic. No, no shade, No Connie. shade, Connie. You're an innovator, honey. Wow. <laughs> you trailblazer. Never, you never know who's watching. I've had some interesting people's uh, in managers slide in my DMs like, so we'd like to understand the joke that you made at the 33 second. I was like. I'd have been like, you heard it. That actually usually is my response. If anybody's <laughs> PR team wants to hit me up, I need you to know my response will always be, I said what I said, right? Because I'm pretty factually accurate. Uh, Jeff, I will say this before we wrap. I wanted this to be our last question because I wanted both of us to sit in it, right? It's a two-pronged question. If you would speak something into my life, because I believe that friends who love you can speak into your life, what would you speak into my life for the summer? Short term, as far as a blessing, then I'm going to speak a blessing into what I want to see for your life for this summer. And then the second question is, what do you think your personal legacy is going to be? Let's do the first part first. Speaking something into each other's lives. Guys, this is something I'm going to start doing where I want people to recognize that your friends can, can pour into you and speak a blessing onto you. Because your friends see you and they see things that you sometimes don't see yourself, right? And you realize that people who care about you are really rooting for you in ways that are quiet. And now we're trying to do it more verbally. You want me to go first? You want me? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, what I want to speak into your life is that 
every single moment that you feel that you need to step away, there's someone who is there to catch whatever may fall in your absence and that you get to rest and you get to celebrate and that you get to be loved up on so heartily that you forget what anything else even feels like. I want you to be deliriously in love with your life for the summer. Well, I received that and thank yeah. you for that blessing. You know, I... um. I love the pastor voice. You, I love the pastor this voice. This is my voice. <laughs> um, I see a tremendous amount of stretching and growth for you as a businesswoman. Ooh. And really embracing that, you know, you have one business to run, and that's the business of Blue, and you're your own CEO. And you should walk with the confidence that is aligned with your experience, that is aligned with your, you know, the fortuitive nature of the energy that you present when you're on any team and that you are a value add in the space. Even more so that as a businesswoman, that you should be a thermostat and not a thermometer in your energy of not being swayed from left to right or undulating up and down based upon the atmosphere that you're in, but also, and more importantly, being able to control the atmosphere. Because I believe that your giftings have made room for you, but now it's time for you to take those giftings and build a mansion. Build an enterprise around yourself and taking this summer to make the right relationships and have that access the right opportunities and resources for you to build your own platform in addition to this great podcast that we're recording now that helps folks really transform how they see the world. Jeff said, I'm going to get my coins and my... (laughs) Okay. I mean, I can't be the only one here in Gucci. (laughs) Oh! Y'all see my shady friend? (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey, I love you so goddamn much. I love you too, Like, you don't even understand. Like, you tickle me. I was going to say on the inside, but I feel like that's for Beloved or something. Like, Tandy Newton said that. I don't think it was good when you said No, like, you tickle me so much. There is a purity to the way that you show up that is just pure entertainment. Like, I, that's why, I, like, I think that's why I wanted that blessing for you. I want you to feel as giddy, like, every day that you make me feel. When I'm around you, I, I just know I'm going to laugh until my eyes close. Remember we had that laugh at your house with oh. poor Brian? I said something very inappropriate while I was high, y'all. They know, this is a 420 Friendly podcast, so they know that I partake. Um, and I blurted out something inappropriate that made everybody in the room start cackling. I, remind, I don't know if you remember, but I'll remind you. And Brian was next to me. He cackled so hard. He started to like fall over. Like he started to choke. <laughs> <laughs> and poor Donnie was like, I think he's, I think he's dying. Water. <laughs> so we laughed so hard. We actually couldn't breathe. And I was like, yo, that was so cleansing to laugh like that with friends. You know joy, what I mean? Yes. So that kind of joy, I just want the whole summer to be like that for, for you and us. I'm going to be right next to you. Right. So. A blessing for you is a blessing for me and vice Absolutely. versa. Overflow, that's how we, it rolls. We're going to be in the same room, so right. we can confirm if these blessings happen. So the last question is, what do you want your legacy to be? Light Especially work. Especially in America that people that look like me um, can have the support and the access and opportunities to maximize the potential, and that's the rule. Mm-hmm. That's the standard, not the exception. You know, I want, you know, so many times in my life, and I'm sure yours, um, we've been coined the exception mm-hmm. as if that was acceptable. I hate being when, tokenized. Exactly. Yeah. When, quite frankly, we should be the standard. Mm. You know, you should be an individual running your own company, executive at 35 plus, 
making it happen. Amen. I mean, and at the end of the day, that shouldn't be an anomaly, but something that is on the fringes of what our core is as a community, that should be the standard. So I want, you know, my legacy to be like every young person, no matter the color of their skin, their identity, or even their zip code, has the support and access to maximize their potential in America. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful, Jeffrey. Thank you. It's just my life's work. Right. He's like, you know, it's just why I'm here. <laughs> um, I think I want my my legacy to be that um, I was sincere and that I gave other people permission to be sincere as well. Because I feel like sometimes when people are telling these big stories and I'm like, babe, that was hurtful, right? Let's double click on that. Right. Yeah, like that was hurtful. And I think sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to just sincerely feel our feelings. So I really hope that like in some way I'm doing my part to make emotional intelligence sexy. Mm. That is like all I want from this world because I feel like my kids are going to inherit this earth. And the one thing that I learned from all the work that I've done is that they found out that emotional intelligence is the basis of like self-esteem, but also like um, public health. Right. Oh, absolutely. People who do not love themselves hurt themselves, hurt others, the, the, those around them and their communities. Exactly. And so loving yourself actually has it, it, that drip down effect that we think we invest in the wrong ways. That's what really is going to change the world. And so. I want my children to inherit an emotionally intelligent world, and I want when I when I'm not here anymore for people to say that I did my part to make that happen. That is beautiful, Blue, and <laughs> I join you in that journey because Yay. it's the EQ for me. All Honey, the time. I can't even date somebody who's oh not emotionally intelligent God. anymore. Like, you a Neanderthal? I'm like, What's baby, going on? let's fix those words. Like, what? Yeah. You can't. What you mean? Thing? I did good today. I cried. Crying is natural. Yeah, crying is, the thing is, crying is just the pain, like, being purged from your body. Exactly. So the, the cleansing on the other end, Jeff, um, I'm going to call this episode Big Jeff Energy. I love that. <laughs> on brand. Yes. Big, on brand and This episode is going to be called Big Jeff Energy featuring <laughs> Jeffrey himself. <laughs> Not the Jeff show starring Jeff. <laughs> Jeffrey. I feel. Facilitated by Blue. We're still the same, right? I just have, I just work here, y'all. This is, this episode is called <laughs> Yo, I think now when people watch our stories and they see us like at happy hours, they now understand, they understand the context and the energy yeah. that they're feeling. It's like, and this was like the rated like PG thirteen version. You yes, know, this this is very Disney. Oh, honey, this is Disney, honey, because it's a couple of times <laughs> I forgot about the camera. On the, okay, on that note, Jeff and I are gonna go live our fabulous lives. This is Humanized. Thank you for watching. I'm Blue Tulusma. If you are listening on all podcast platforms. Please give us a five-star rating and a review because it helps the algorithm. Share this with friends and family. Um, send me a shout-out. And just know that we are going to keep sending you guys weekly episodes throughout the whole goddamn summer because, you know, we out here. And thanks to Jeff, I'm now going to manifest my platform growing. I love you, Jeffrey. I love you too, Blue. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And that's the show. Isn't that perfect? That was perfect. Electric Acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business, spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 
50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.